Hello, hello. Welcome to Think, Feel, Eat, episode number 37. I'm Donna Reich, your teacher and your coach, and I'm so excited that you are here joining me tonight. If you're new, thank you for coming, and I hope that you learn a lot and gain a lot of knowledge as well as practical applications that you can take with you into your weight loss journey. And if you are returning, thank you for coming back. All right, so episode 36 of Think, Feel, Eat, that was um, just, uh, what was it, last week, we did episode 36, and um, I forgot to put another episode number, let me put this down real fast, all right, um, and in episode 36, we did stress, cortisol, and weight management, so that was like a, this is the bad news kind of episode, right, and I had to break it up because it would be like, an hour and 15 to an hour and 30 minutes if I hadn't broken it up. So I really needed to break it up. So I did. So I gave the bad news last week, right? And we need to know that. We need to know what is happening to our stomachs, what is happening to our cravings, what is happening to our muscles, all of that. We need to know all of that when we have stress and raised cortisol levels, which is the stress hormone that gets raised whenever we are stressed, right? But now this week is going to be the good news right? And the cool thing about basically everything that is, not everything, but the cool thing about many, many things is that we can fix them. I just cannot tell you how relieved I have been on my weight loss journey to learn that I can fix things, that I can fix cravings, I can reduce them, I can fix my response to them, I can learn tools, I can learn techniques, I can fix my sleep so that I that affects my weight. We had that for episode number um, 34. Um, I can fix my stress. I can fix things that affect my weight loss journey. And that is really good news, right? Because so oftentimes we're like, well, you know, stress just, you can't, you know, you, when you're stressed, you just can't lose weight. You don't get enough sleep. You can't lose weight. If you, you know, we just can't lose weight in our modern society because of cravings and we just can't overcome them. We hear these things a lot. And I just want to scream, wait a minute. Where these are, there are ways we can fix these things. There are ways that we can overcome them. And, and maybe they won't be 100% solved, but even partially solved. You know, like I was explaining in the, Five Ways to Reduce Cravings, episode number 35, which is better to have cravings all the time, but fight them. And even if we can't overcome them or to reduce them entirely or to get rid of them entirely or reduce them greatly, right? So anything we can do proactively so that we don't have such a hard time on the other end. All right. So just a quick review. I have the first point, the first major point from last week. Here, I'm not going to use all of this because it'll take too much of my time, uh, but you can read it there. I really recommend if you haven't heard episode 36 that you go in and listen to that. That should be, um, I was late getting it to my uh, tech girl. So that should be up any day now at DonnaRish.com. Go to DonnaRish.com at the top. It says Think, Feel, Eat, Broadcast. You just click on that and it takes you to the whole page of all 37 of them after tonight. All right, and then there are also the weight loss lifestyle ones that I did, I don't know, maybe like 50 of those before. All right, so stress and cortisol defined. Okay, stress makes fat loss hard. Stress can be anything. It can be perceived, like we think something is stressful. 
Um, or it can be real. Um, it can be an unpredictable change in our environment. It can be psychological. It can be physical. Um, it can be even just an inconsistency between our expectations and our actual outcomes. A lot of times those things are not in um, balance with each other and they stress us out. Um, but we have responses to stress, right? We have responses. We have physiological responses. And uh, then we also have psychological responses. So physically, right, the body uh, fills the blood with adrenaline and noradrenaline. And this is like the fight or flight, the few seconds, and then it goes away. And that's not, we don't have that for long-term stress. That's like, you know, lift a car off of a child kind of stress. All right, um, kind of uh, action, kind of chemical that is released. Um, but then we have cortisol that also comes into play. And cortisol is the stress hormone that turns into a neurotransmitter. Uh, cortisol um, is released from the adrenal glands and it is re released based on stress, perceived or real or whatever. But it is also important to note that it turns into a steroid. So you think about a steroid, you know, what is a steroid supposed to do, right? It's supposed to um, uh, minimize inflammation. It's slow acting. Think about, I know my dad used to get steroid shots in his knees all the time and it was slow acting, but it lasted for quite a while. Um, so it's different than adrenaline in that way. And it's broken down in the body and gives us energy and it all sounds great. It suppresses inflammation. What this is good. This is really, really good, right? Except for the fact that we were not designed as human beings to have ongoing stress like we do. Okay, so stress and cortisol are different now than they were in early man. So then we only need a cortisol for short periods of time. Then we go back into the cave and we would not worry. We didn't think about everything that we think about now because there was more like um, survival, right? So now we think about things constantly. We are always, always, always worried about everything. We're always stressing over everything and our minds never stop. So even when we get home and we go into the cave, so to speak, we are not getting away from our stress. We're just bringing it right with us, right? And um, now we have high cortisol levels for long periods of time. And that is not how we were intended to live. All right, I mentioned last week, Ari Witten of the Fat Loss Blueprint. I wanna mention that again, because I did glean a lot from his course. Um, as far as the sleep and stress episodes, they, that, those were extremely helpful, especially the research studies, because he uses really good research studies and um, they're robust and they're on humans and they're long, a lot of times longer lasting, um, you know, studies, they're not, you know, some of those little ones that are not, you know, three people, four days or whatever that really, you really can't say much that happened as a result of a study like that. So I, I have a lot of the research in the sleep episode and then this one 37 and then the previous one 36 from his course, the fat loss blueprint. So anyway, he's fantastic. All right. So let's first of all, in, in seeing how we are going to counteract the stress and the cortisol, right? One thing that doesn't help is for people to say, stop stressing. <laughs> Right. And we do that to ourselves to just stop stressing. You're just there's it's silly. You shouldn't be stressed. We didn't really need to get to the point where we don't tell other people how they should be feeling. 
and we don't tell other people that they're silly, it's unfounded, it's unwarranted, it's unneeded. I mean, we don't know how they feel. We don't know what's going on within them. So we need to just step back and not tell people that what they're thinking isn't valid. Likewise, we need to step back and tell ourselves sometimes, you know, I understand you feel that way. I can see why you feel that way. Just process those feelings. I know why you're scared. I know why you're worried, okay? Sometimes we want to change our feelings, but sometimes we don't want to. And sometimes we just need to have empathy and sympathy towards our own selves, right? Okay, so we're going to take this big picture look first before we go into specific ta uh, tasks and techniques and tips for reducing stress and cortisol. So the big picture of stress and cortisol is that when we are not under stress, like when we are not in the middle of stress, um, to try to develop a life plan that helps you control your stress, right? My husband used to say all the time when we were parenting that we need to take care of this problem with one of our children in a non-conflict time. That was his mantra. He's just like, now's not the time. We need to solve this problem during a non-conflict time. Okay, the same thing is true of our stress levels. Okay, that we need to solve these during a non-conflict time. Um, so not at a time when things are so stressful. That's not the time to try to unstress, to try to change your life so that you're less stressed, right? Changing our lives so that we are less stressed is a stressor, <laughs> right? It is a stressor in itself and it takes a lot of... Um, bandwidth, a lot of emotional bandwidth and mental bandwidth. And we don't have that emotional and mental bandwidth when we are in the middle of stress. So let's instead step away when we're not stressed during a non-conflict time, let's step away and let's look down on ourselves as like a, an outside observer of our lives. We need to do this quite a bit. We need to be able to just look down into our lives and say, hmm, so that's why you can't stop eating Dove milk chocolate promises, right? Not like, man, I just had two more Dove promises. I can't stop. But instead, just look down. I'm, I'm standing at my standing desk. <laughs> Neat, non-exercise, activity, thermogenesis, right? I'm getting my knee on, standing up um, one and a half hours this week, a day of non-typical standing times. So anyway, times when I, times when you could sit or I could sit, have my nice standing desk here. Wish you could see it. It's a real big mass. <laughs> I have stacks everywhere, but it's beautiful. So, so nice. Um, really, really grateful for it. Okay, so we're gonna develop a plan, looking down on our lives, develop a plan as an observer of our lives. Guess what? Habits, habits. If you're in the drop eight pounds by Christmas group, you are probably tired of me talking about habits every other day in there. I just wrote something today about it again, right? I think I wrote something yesterday about it too. I think I do that most days. All right. and. We want to develop this plan incrementally, like a stress prevention activities plan. So the funny thing is that this one researcher said this, and I don't really exactly understand how this would work, but at the same time, I can kind of see how we can trick our brains a lot. Um, so I can see, because our brain gets tricked 
to our negative and it also gets tricked to our positive. So he says that if your brain thinks you have a plan to deal with stress, it believes you, even if your plan is not fully in place. So maybe you're not ready to solve the whole stress problem, but maybe you have some ideas and you can just tell your brain, I'm working on it, I'm working on it, and that will kind of put your brain at ease. All right, looking at this big picture of stress and cortisol, before we get into the specifics of tips, is to understand stress eating, right? Now we talk a lot about different kinds of eating. If you remember, I had a couple of episodes on over hunger versus over desire. I'm trying to figure out where that is. Okay, that was 29 and 30. Okay, and that was talking about the difference between hunger and desiring foods or cravings foods, craving foods. And then I had another episode, and these are all in the show notes, guys. Think, feel, eat number 15 when I talked about the four types of fuel. So I'm just going to review those real quick so you can see how stress eating fits into that. So we have our fuel food, okay? And again, on the 80-20 approach, this should be 80% of what we eat measured. So not a guess, like, I think I pretty much eat 80%. Okay. All right, our brain tricks us a lot. Did I mention that? 80% fuel, 20% or less fun foods. So fuel foods, fun foods. And then we have, um, uh, then we have, oh my word, it just left me, fog. I'm so sorry. Then we have fog. <laughs> Does anybody find that humorous? <laughs> I forgot fog. I forgot fog. Oh my word. I'm sorry. That just cracked me up. I've been teaching a lot of children for now um, nine hours before I came here. Oh my word. A lot of children. They're amazing. I love kids so much. <laughs> I love adults too. Okay. Fog. Okay. And I'm not going to go into the details of that, but that's like when you just sit there and the next thing you know, the bag is empty. All right. And then the last one is frenzied. Frenzied eating. Okay. So when we consider stress eating, we need to look at it in, the, in that way of those four types of fuel, those four types of foods, I mean, those four types of foods, we need to look at that stress eating as being the frenzied one. And we know it because we just do something fast and we just do something without thinking and we don't stop ourselves. And we say, I don't know what happened. I, I wasn't planning to eat that. And I didn't even feel like I couldn't, I, I didn't even feel like I could I didn't even feel like I was in a position to say, what am I doing? Stop before it was over. Okay. So that is like a frenzied. And I liken that, I liken stress eating to that frenzied eating. All right. And the thing about it is that our brains can become so habituated to a heightened state of craving food. So we are so craving filled right? We have this heightened state of cravings and we're just habituated to it. Like you hear people all the time. And I used to say this too. I just don't know how I can stop. I just don't know how I can make myself stop craving and stop giving in. Right? Well, it's because we didn't have any of these habits and tools and things in place. Right? So join the drop eight pounds group and you will, um, eight pounds by Christmas. Um, so this becomes a habit. Okay, this frenzy kind of stress eating, just picking something up and it's just, wow, what in the world? How did that even happen? 
you know, I'll do that. And I'll be like, that is not on my plan. And it took 200 calories out of my day. And it, and it didn't have any protein. What am I thinking? And you're just like, how could that have happened? Right? Well, it is this frenzy, this stress eating. And the important thing to note is that that is a habit. Remember, it says habituated to a heightened state of craving foods. We, in other words, we are habit. It is a habit for us to crave those um, hyper palatable foods. The good news is that if we can create that habit, we can create a new habit. Okay, I just think that's so important to note because we tend to think here we are, we are stuck. This is how things are. There's nothing we can do about it. When in reality, we learn the other so we can unlearn that and learn something new. Isn't that exciting? Is it gonna be harder because this one's way easier? Oh yeah, it's gonna be harder. But the fact is we can do it. Like it's not like one of those things that can't happen for us. And I think that is just super, super amazing and exciting. All right, so I love that. So one of the ways that we can do this is to set ourselves up for food success during this stress eating, okay? I'm not, if our cortisol levels are super high, we saw last week what it does to our food cravings, what it does to our calorie intake, what it does to our um, uh, desire um, to, to not stop and our ability to stop. So I'm not saying just do this and all of a sudden it'll all be over. <laughs> I'm not saying that. We're going to learn new tricks and tips and techniques here. We're also going to learn to reduce it. So we're really looking at two different things, right? We're looking at what can we do in the moment and then we're also looking at how can we reduce stress so we don't need it. It's just like the cravings. Yes, we need tools for what to do in the moment for cravings, right? We also need episode number 35, five ways to reduce cravings. So we don't need these tools so much. These habitual cravings and things. The same thing is true here. We want to get some techniques, some tips right now for stopping the stress eating but we'll be way better off if we go over to the next section here in a few minutes and we instead reduce stress. We reduce the cortisol levels. We're gonna be so much better off. All right, so set ourselves up for food success. Okay, first of all, we have to remember that our food choices, our diets, our res resisting urges, that is a stress on top of stress, right? One of the things that came out last week is that when we are on a super restrictive diet, research shows that women on super, super restrictive diets have a tendency to have more stress and more cortisol levels than those who are on more flexible dieting approaches. And if you've ever followed anybody who does, if it fits your macros, I, F, F, I, F, if it, I, F, I, I, I don't know, I, I, F, Y, M, I, I, F, Y, M, you will see that that is one of their premises is that Guys, the restrictions, the strictness, the protocols that are almost impossible, they are keeping you fat. And their premises bring flexibility into your eating and you'll be able to stay on it, okay? I think there's some truth to that. And that is why I teach to create your own protocol and all of your own food rules. And then see, and I can help you with that, but then see, does this work? Am I still losing? Does it work? Am I still losing? Does it work? Am I still losing? And then we can tweak it from there. Um, but anyway, so 
food choice, the dieting, resisting urges as a stress on top. And so we want to be sure that we aren't so stressed out. And then we're trying to relieve the stress magically. We are trying to resist urges. We're trying to um, have a really stringent diet. Um, and then that causes more stress on top of the stress, right? We can really compound that stress. So um, two ways that we can take care of, well, there are three ways that we can take care of this in the moment. And they are And they are one, barriers, okay? One is a barrier. All right, so I've talked about this before from Stephen Guillenet's book, The Hungry Brain, and it really fits in with stress eating. And that is that if it's not in the house, you have to stop, you have to redirect, you have to pause, you have to think about it. How badly do I want this? Am I going to drive to the gas station, the bakery, Kroger, you know, the drive-through? And just that step back can sometimes really help in a frenzied eating situation. Just that step back can help. And, and we, we won't take the step back if the food is all here because we'll just grab it. But if it's not in our home, then we're more inclined to take that step. All right, we're running out of time. Okay, the second thing is substitutions. And I've been teaching a little bit about this in the drop eight pounds group. And I started out, as I mentioned there, teaching um, substitutions for carby foods and how to make them low carb. And I still have those recipes at the blog if you are a keto person or you're a low carb person, okay? But now what I do for myself is I make substitutions so that my total caloric load is lessened. I don't use that many of the low carb recipes from my blog because they're so calorie dense. I did not lose weight with that. They had, I took in way too much. I was eating, you know, this almond meal, chocolate, cream cheese, caramel, uh, pecan dessert bar. And I would have been better off eating a mini Snickers. <laughs> right? 100 calories versus 540 or something, right? And, but one way that we can utilize this is to have substitutions. And again, if your barriers are in place, what happens then? If your barriers are in place, then all of a sudden you have to eat what you have. So I mentioned this before, instead of a jelly roll, jelly donut, it's a low sugar jelly toast. Instead of a cheesecake, it's a uh, low fat, sugar-free cream cheese whip. Right. Instead of a um, a uh, some kind of uh, high calorie dessert bar, it is a a Ritz cracker with a, a sugar free Reese cup on it. I literally had like 110 calories with that. Right. So my whole intake is le lessened. If you have substitutions, and I have a substitution list on my phone, if you have substitutions at your fingertips and things you like, you can say no to this because you just grab a substitution instead. So you're gonna combine the barrier tip with the substitution tip, all right? And then the third way is to interrupt the stress eating pattern, okay? I teach, a, I taught a lot in the 10 ways to reduce, to sit with urges, 
number nine, 10 ways to sit with urges. And I, I taught different ways that you can sit with urges. And some of those are like immediate and some of them are more long-term and so forth. But you have to, but if we can, during that frenzied eating, during that frenzied food, during that stress eating, if we can stop, right? Just stop. Now, I think I have this thing about teaching children because I adore them and I have written over a hundred books for them, teaching them because they're amazing and they deserve good uh, teaching. But one of my big pet peeves is when a curriculum asks for too many uh, skills at the same time. So, you know, you're going to write a paragraph, even though you just learned how to write a paragraph, you just learned how to put sentences together to write a paragraph, and it's got to be in your best penmanship. Okay, we're bringing together two skills there that penmanship, maybe they're just learning cursive. So now we've got this new skill in cursive, we got this new skill in paragraph writing, and we're just asking too much of them. The same thing is true in a frenzied food or a stress eating situation. Don't have your interruption your distraction, I don't even want to call it a distraction, don't have your interruption be too elaborate or don't have it be an interruption that also solves it. So in other words, an interruption where, um, you know, you say, I'm just going to go make me a jelly toast and then you're going to make your jelly toast. That might work in a lot of situations, but in stress eating, frenzied foods, sometimes you just need to stop and then you can think about what to do. So don't put too many things all in one. Don't put too many skills all in one. So you can use a word, like I've been uh, studying this uh, never binge, NBA, never binge again, uh, Dr. Livingston, outstanding work. I've been studying him and uh, some of his clients will like clap. Like they're about to reach for something and then clap. You see what I mean? That is just, a dis that is just a, um, an interruption. It's not a solution. You're not doing a lot of things. You're just like, okay, okay, just wait a minute. Do I really want to do this? Then you're going to get control of it. Or you're going to say, yes, I do. All right. Um, clap or tap. Use a word. You know, stop or think, right? Just make it really, really quick. One of my all-time favorites, here she also talked about closing something closing a door, that type of thing, um, uh, in reference to closing the, the closing the door on the craving or the, the stress-related eating. My favorite one by far is still the same one I taught in the intermittent fasting course. If you took my course on intermittent fasting, when you were trying to develop your fasting skills, and it's the same skill as, as I taught there, and it's by Mel Robbins, and it is the five-second rule. And the reason I love this for frenzied eating, specifically frenzied and stress eating, is because it just you just stop what you're doing without thinking about any solutions or without thinking um, about the food. You just you don't even you kind of separate yourself from that and you just go five, four, three, two, one. Count backwards. It takes more of your brain power. You're going to direct yourself. You're going to focus in, and then you just go five, four, three, two, one, and then you think about it. Then you consider. Okay. So those are three things: barriers, substitutions, and interruptions that are good for stress slash um, frenzied eating. Okay. Now I'm going to talk about a few ways 
a few ways. I always look at my clock, it freaks me out. A few ways to change your stress levels, okay? 36, episode 36 told all about the, the high stress levels, the high cortisol levels, exactly what that does and so forth. But we want to turn that around. So first of all, listen to the sleep episode. It's in the show notes again, Think, Feel, Eat, number 34. But it's important that when we talk about this, because stress and sleep, sleep and stress are so closely linked. So because of that, we want to be sure that um, we look at slept, we look at sleep right now as well again. So sleep loss makes us more emotionally reactive, impulsive, and prone to cognitive deficits. Got a typo. Yeah, cognitive deficits that create more stress. So in other words, we don't think clearly when we are lacking sleep, right? We just do not think well. Chronic stress makes sleeping difficult and worsens the quality of our sleep. And um, focusing then on both sleep increase and stress reduction will benefit. You know, I talked in episode number... 35, five ways to reduce cravings. I talked about how it's a, how I, before I had some more answers for you about a year ago when I tried to teach Dr. Stephen Guyanese, you know, the uh, eat this fewer, you'll crave it less, eat this less, you'll crave it less. And how I felt like that was kind of an endless circle. And it can be the same thing with sleep and stress, right? Sleep more, so you'll stress less sleep more so you'll stress less or if you stress less you'll sleep more and it's like how how can i solve both of these right how can i solve both of these so we're going to learn about that so sleep can be enhanced and i have another episode coming up all about sleep hygiene that really needed to follow episode number 34 but it's coming up soon um but our sleep can be enhanced so here are a few tips morning sun exposure I have um, getting ready to use my sunlight, my morning sunlight. It's just like it's $35 thing from Amazon. Um, just shine it on you for a few minutes, 20 minutes or whatever in the mornings uh, while you're getting ready. I usually do it while I'm doing my makeup and stuff. And um, that helps avoid artificial light at night. We all heard about the blue light effect, sleeping in a cool environment. I guess that doesn't mean your mattress, heated mattress pad up on 10. That's how I like to sleep in a warm bed and using melatonin. All right. Again, listen to episode 34 about those sleep difficulties and then come back for sleep hygiene. Okay. All right. Mindfulness, meditation, and breathing. I consulted like six different uh, teachers for this episode and last week's episode. And the one thing they all had in common was this, this idea of mindfulness, meditation, and breathing. And I think that we think that unless you are some kind of Zen guru or you go to yoga all the time, or you sit every morning, you know, like this, and you hum or whatever it might be, that you cannot achieve mindfulness or, you know, to really take part in meditation and breathing. So I'm going to give you some tips that you don't have to do all that. You can get an app. You can get meditation apps, short meditation apps. Look that up. You can find some of those things that will guide you if you want more guided help in mindfulness and meditation. Um, but here are some things that you can just do immediately that will make a difference in your mindfulness. One is to train yourself to think differently. 
we just finished, I guess that was the second week of the Drop Eight Pounds group. And we also had an episode on it. Let me see, it was episode number 33. Put that here. On your why, creating a really, really powerful why, actually 20 powerful whys, and um, utilizing those whys, putting them on your phone as a phone saver, having uh, a, um, a reminder pop up to remind you of them, uh, putting them on index cards, sticky notes, you know, making beautiful cards, whatever um, you want to do. You can get like backgrounds, uh, template backgrounds, and you can put your own words on it and print that on the computer. Lots of ways, okay? So visiting your why often is one way of mindfulness, right? Because we are mindful of what, why we're doing what we're doing. Next is doing thought work. I talk more about that and think, feel, eat number one. And I also do that with my clients all the time. So if you want to learn how to capture thoughts that change your life, your health, your weight, your relationships, your motivations, your um, uh, diligence, your uh, follow through, business, building business, losing weight, family relationships, whatever, you can set up a free consult with me and we can see if I can help you. So do your thought work. Um, one meditation session was found in a study of medical students to drop cortisol levels by 20%. So guys, this is a great way to just sit and listen to soft music and breathe deeply for three, four, five, six minutes and reduce cortisol levels. Okay, it's harder to do. I mean, it sounds easy. And I know it's not easy because my brain is whoo, squirrel, <laughs> but it's worth it. Um, train yourself to think differently through this meditation uh, with programs, apps, prayer, gratefulness practices, gratefulness practices, journaling, all of those things are going to train our brains. We're just going to train our brains to think differently, to think differently, to think differently. When we think differently, we feel differently. When we feel different, no, feel different. We think different, we feel different, and we act differently. All right, breathing. Um, I've I, a lot of people had different things on this. They all said it was really, really great. You that it was very helpful in lowering cortisol, very helpful in reducing stress. But you remember how you know with small children or whatever, you're we're always like you know, take 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 a deep breath, take some deep breaths. You know, get control of yourself. Turns out, once again, Mama was right. <laughs> I have to say that since I have seven kids. I have to say that as much as I can on here, right? Mama was right. So take 10 deep breaths before you answer. Yes, yes, yes. That's been found to be true. Um, some say equal inhale and exhale. Some say twice as long. Um, but uh, breathing is a definite help. Um, the next one is exercise. Um, exercise is a stressor in itself, just like dieting is. And so we can actually raise our cortisol levels through over-exercise. Uh, this is especially true with um, long bouts of cardio. And that's why so many experts now are recommending HIT, uh, high intensity interval training and um, strength training, yoga, walking. Um, HIT because you have a fast release of adrenaline and a fast release of cortisol, but you have a recovery time almost immediately. So it does cause a stress, but it goes down so quickly. 
And so it's not thought to keep your cortisol levels high for a long period of time, like um, uh, high-impact long-term cardio does. Um, strength training is the same way, little bursts, and that has the uh, researchers believe that that is not as long-term. Yoga, definitely, you have got the breathing, you have the mindfulness, and you have the mind-body connection. Um, and walking, I'm gonna talk specifically about walking. The bottom line on exercise and increasing your stress is that if it feels stre crazy stressful, it probably is, right? It feels crazy stressful, it probably is. So choose according to how you feel. Exercise helps relieve pent up stress, again, lowering the cortisol levels. Walking, walking is, um, all of them agreed about walking all of the experts that I consulted. And um, walking outside is even better. A lot of them talk about, talked about the groundedness of the ground, the sun, the, you know, the, the uh, natural light also, and the groundedness, both of those in decreasing cortisol levels. Um, but specifically one study showed that walking lowers cortisol by up to 18%. So guys, look here, we have these things that we can do. We can sleep better. That lowers cortisol. I don't know the exact percentage, but it's going to help. Suppose that's 10%. It's probably more than that. Suppose it's 10%. Then we have 20% for mindfulness. We have another 18% for walking. We have more for laughing. We have nature. We have music, right? And we just keep stacking these habits, habit stacking, right? We just keep stacking those until they... Um, do their job all together. They all work together to give us the perfect storm. All right, so up to 18%. And the reason that one researcher explained uh, the, cort the cortisol release that's different from walking than some other high intensity one is because walking is a, light, is a type of beneath the surface activity. So it doesn't cause a compensatory mechanism. Okay. Compensatory mechanism is a fancy word for you get lazy other times because you're doing too much now. So what happens is that a lot of times with high impact aerobic situations, we get our cortisol, we get ourselves so fatigued from that, that without realizing it, and research shows this over and over and over again, I talked about it in other, other broadcast, broadcasts, and that is that we fatigue ourselves so much and we don't realize it, but we fatigue ourselves so much that the next thing you know, we don't get up. Somebody else brings us a water bottle. We don't clean the kitchen at night before we go to bed. So we're not getting that activity in. We're lying down and scrolling on our phone more. We're turning on Netflix earlier in the evenings. And the next thing you know, we are, um, we have this, compensatory mechanism. Women are more susceptible to it than men. And so we decrease our meat, which our meat can burn up to 700 calories a day if we stand sometimes, if we don't lie around, if we don't sit around, if we do active things, even if it's cleaning and cooking and walking the dog and whatever it might be, right? And so walking does not cause that compensatory mechanism uh, because it doesn't send a negative signal to the brain because the calorie burning is slower. So have you ever heard it said that you can burn 100 calories if you walk, jog, or sprint, right? 
this 90 to 110, but it's like 100 calories can be burned whether you walk, whether you walk a 60 minute mile, but you walk a mile, whether you, I mean, that's even be a low strolling, right? Whether you walk a 15 or 20 minute mile, whether you jog a 12 or 14 minute mile, or whether you run an eight minute mile, it's all gonna burn the exact same number of calories, right? Now there are benefits to each one that are separate from that, but as far as the calorie burn, right? You have that same calorie burn going on. And so when you, this research says that when you run and you burn that calorie, that 100 calories, that you're sending a negative signal to the brain that you burned 100 calories really fast. And so then you get lazy later on. Running, higher impact aerobics, all of those things can be really great if you're observant of this. Like my daughter, she runs all the time. And she was like, do you think I shouldn't run because of what you were saying about need and all that? And I said, no, I think running is great. You love it. It burns a lot of calories. You can eat whatever you want because of how much she runs. I said, but you have to be sure that you don't not take the kids for a walk in the morning, that you don't not clean up the house at night, that you don't not uh, park far away and walk. And so if you're observant of your needs, you're going to fix this problem. But generally speaking, without people even realizing it, the body is saying you burned 100 calories so fast, um, you, you lost calories at such a fast rate, so let's slow down. Walking burns the same 100 calories, but very slowly, so it does not alert the body to fast loss of calories, fast loss of calories. So we can get by with it without it affecting our need. Okay, so the bottom line is, do whatever you will do that doesn't stress you out too much and that doesn't make you lazy in other scenarios, right? Okay, so there's not a good or bad. I just wanted to throw that out there as research so that everybody can realize, I want to do the running. I want to do the elliptical. I want to do these things. Okay, then just be sure that you don't mess up your need because need is free, right? Need is free. We do it all the time while we're doing other things, non-exercise activity thermogenesis. All right, yoga is a great way to cope with stress, burnout, and high cortisol. It's known to reduce, reduce perceived stress as well as anxiety and cortisol levels. All right, and lastly, we have nature, we have music, and we have laughter, right? And there's a reason why in all cultures, someplace, all the ancient books, including the Bible, all say that laughter is a medicine. And that is why people, physicians are actually treating cancer patients, Parkinson's patients, people who are getting transplants, they're actually treating them with laughter. I try to watch a 20 minute comedy as every night, as much as I can, because I love laughing so much and I feel like it's so good for me. Um, I also really, really love memes. <laughs> I'm just like, this is so funny, I love it. Okay, so I love laughing. Uh, one researcher summed it up, laughter and tears, best medicine for stress. There's a reason why I just felt so much better after I cried it out, right? Okay, guys, let's do what we can. Let's build habits a little bit at a time. We don't, won't even notice we're doing it. And the next thing you know, we will have a new habit, a new life change, and it'll be amazing. I want so many good things for you. See you soon.